Hi, this is The Gathering Church in Windsor, Ontario, and I'm Pastor Garth Lino. Welcome to our podcast. It's always too soon to quit. Don't lose heart, don't give up, don't throw in the towel. Bible says, though outwardly we are wasting away, inwardly we are being renewed day by day. Our light and momentary troubles are obtaining for us a weight of glory that far outweighs them all. Don't always understand how that works, but that's how it works. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary. What is unseen is eternal. And so, we can't lose hope. We need to press on and move forward. Never give Please open your Bible or your Bible app this morning to Romans chapter 5. If you're looking for it in the New Testament, you have the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and then the Acts of the Apostles, and then the book of Romans. Romans chapter 5. Last week we started a series of talks on Romans chapter 5, but we only covered the first two verses of Romans 5. And while some of you might still be looking for Romans 5 in your Bible, or your Bible app, let's read These two verses that we covered last week, let's read them aloud from the screen, shall we? Reading together Romans 5, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. So everyone who has been justified by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ is much richer than they think. I mean, we have peace with God, that takes care of the past. We stand in grace, that takes care of the present. We hope in the glory of God, and that takes care of the future. So all three tenses of life are cared for by God, past, present, future. You're richer than you think. With your faith in God, you have it all. But justification by faith does not provide instant or easy escape from all the trials of life. Have you noticed that? (laughs) We still have to face that stuff that comes at us. When a person is made right by God's grace, he or she is not instantly sheltered from all pain and all suffering. The gospel does not vaccinate us against the pressures of life or the devastation of disease. Quite the opposite. The gospel prepares us and equips us and empowers us to endure whatever comes for His glory and honor and for our good. So Paul goes on to say in verses 3, 4, and 5 of Romans chapter 5, not only that, but we rejoice in our Sufferings. That's not a misprint. We rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, 
And endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. So, because we have peace, and grace, and hope, we can rejoice or boast in the glory of God, as we talked about last week. We can boast in it in the sense of of jubilation. We can rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And we must endure. We, We need to stick with it. Don't give up. Don't quit. Don't walk away. I mean, we don't abandon the calling of God. We don't abandon the people of God. We don't abandon the church of God just because times get tough. That's when we need all those things even more. When times get tough, we don't reject our faith. We don't renounce our Father. We don't relinquish our trust. We go deeper. Thank you very much. We go deeper. Someone has said that we exist to bring glory to God through lives changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we we stay focused on loving and growing and serving and multiply, and we keep moving forward. Because the, the alternative isn't very appealing, is it? You want to stay stuck? Uh uh. You want to go backwards? No, thank you. Been there, done that, got the scars. No, no, I want to keep moving forward. Whatever it takes, I want to keep pressing in. Don't you? Let, let's, let's keep going. I, I know there are trials. Yes, there is suffering and there's pain and there's, you know, herniated discs in the back and cancerous cells in the blood and all of that. I, I, I know that. But we just have to keep going. We, we, we persevere. There are good reasons. There are really good reasons why every one of us needs to press on in spite of the pain. Why? Well, first of all, suffering produces endurance. Paul says that in no uncertain terms in verse 3. We rejoice in our sufferings knowing that suffering produces endurance. I said somebody before the service starts, you know, we were chatting and I said, you know, that's exactly what we're going to be talking about this morning. Suffering produces endurance. I just wish that God had some other, you know, there was another way. Like, okay, I'm all for endurance, but really? Suffering is the pathway to endurance? Apparently, that's what the inspired word of God says. Suffering produces endurance. Some translations use the word perseverance or steadfastness in in, in place of this. But suffering can bring all of that on. It, It can produce that. It can nurture that in the life of a believer if he or she is willing to bend to the will of God. And not everybody is, right? Endurance is that quality of spirit that gives you the ability to withstand adversity or hardship or stress. It gives you the ability to to bite the bullet or roll with the punches. That's endurance. And here, Romans 5, the Bible says, suffering produces endurance. 
And that may sound like the flip side of the good news, but that's how it works. That's how God works. Suffering produces endurance. Vance Havner uh, loves to tell the story of a small town in the southern states that was uh, completely dependent on growing cotton. It, it was not a great living for that town, but it was a living. But calamity struck that town when the boll weevil infested the crops. The, the boll weevil is a, is a beetle that fle- feeds primarily on the, the buds of cotton or the flowers of cotton. So it devastated the crops. As it turned out, the farmers were forced to implement other crops like peanuts and other things that eventually brought them greater returns than they ever would have realized with cotton. And so ultimately that which seemed like a disaster turned out to create unprecedented opportunity and prosperity for this little town. We all have bull weevil experiences, financial setbacks, professional failure, relationships that go sour, physical diagnoses that are hard to accept and work through. But these trials can move us to another plane and force us to find new and, dare I say it, better ways to live. And for that reason, for that reason, not because we're sadists or crazy people who love suffering, but for that reason we can rejoice in our suffering knowing that suffering produces endurance. You still with me? Okay. And endurance is critical. I mean, it's critical. Endurance is, is something that is very important to us. Jesus, when he was talking about the end times in Matthew chapter 24, uh, said... Many will fall away in the last days and and betray one another and hate one another. That's awful. And many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. See, it's, 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 it's critical. It is essential that we develop endurance, perseverance, steadfastness in the Christian life. Because stuff keeps coming at us, right? Want to develop endurance. And Hebrews 10.36, you have need of endurance. (laughs) That's an understatement if there ever was one. You have need of endurance so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. So endurance is one of the key Uh, virtues of the Christian life, and without it, it can be difficult, if not altogether impossible, to do the will of God. So we need endurance. And the Bible says endurance comes, it's developed by what? Suffering. Suffering. But please keep in mind that endurance is the overflow of God's grace at work in our lives. It does not come from a dark place. It's the overflow of grace. It's the proof that our love for Jesus is greater than anything the world or the enemy will throw at us. 
That's what endurance says. It's, it's really a testimony to the seen and the unseen worlds that Jesus is greater. And your hope of enduring and my hope of enduring is not found in your character and your strength. It is found in the character of Jesus and the strength of Jesus. You see, because Jesus will be faithful forever, you can bank on that fact and, and, and count on getting whatever you need to endure to the end. Perseverance. Your endurance, friends, rests on Jesus. It rests on Jesus. And Jesus defines what endurance looks like. You, you good with that? I just I got to keep checking in because this is this is tough teaching. This is not the easy part of the Word of God. This is this is a little harder to swallow. Anybody need a cold drink of water to swallow with? No, you're good. Okay. Therefore, Hebrews twelve one and two. Let us run with endurance, the race that is set before us. How? By looking to Jesus who's the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Let's let's embrace the trials and the struggling and the suffering that God in his sovereignty allows into our lives and let's reap from that suffering, let's gain from that suffering, let's Let's harvest from that suffering whatever it is God wants to do in our lives and build endurance. Sound like a plan? Suffering produces endurance. Secondly, endurance produces character. It says so right there in the Word of God, verse 4. Endurance produces character. Life is a jungle. High school, too, is a jungle. It's a jungle out there. Your plant, the place you work, it's a jungle. And unfortunately, character is in short supply. Isn't it? There's an election in the United States of America, which is north of us, by the way. I love, I love reminding my American friends that we live south of Michigan, south of Detroit. They go, what? Not a lot of good character displayed in that election process, was there? People say, ah, it's not important. What happens in the boardroom, what happens in, the, in cabinet meetings, that's what's important. Paul says, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character. I think character is really important. D.L. Moody once said, character is what you are in the dark. When nobody else is there, when the lights are out, that character is what you are in the dark. Billy Graham once said, the greatest legacy one can pass on to one's children or grandchildren is not money. It is a legacy of character and faith. I like that. It's a challenge. We need to pay attention to the development of character. 
Jay Rathman loved to hunt. He went to a neighboring state in California to go hunting, deer hunting. He was down in a, the bottom of a rocky ravine. He climbed up to the top, to the ledge, and just as he was about to peer over the ledge, he sensed movement to the right, on the right side of his face. He looked, and there was a rattlesnake coiled, ready to strike, and it did. It just missed Jay's right ear. Now, the snake's fangs got entangled in Jay's sweater, uh, but the force of the strike caused the snake to land on his shoulder, and then it coiled around his neck. So with his left hand, not his dominant hand, with his left hand, he grabbed the snake behind the, the neck and just held on for dear life. Uh, he grabbed it, and he could feel the warm venom start to trickle down the snake's neck. Jay lost his balance, and he fell backward, and he... He, he slid all the way down to the bottom of the ravine, and then he somehow got, got stuck between two rocks with his head down and his feet up. He was able to disentangle the snake's fangs from his sweater, but the, the snake had enough leverage to strike again. And Jay writes, and I quote, He made about eight attempts to bite me, and managed to hit me with his nose just above my eye four times. I kept my face turned so he couldn't get a good angle with his fangs, but it was very close. This chap and I were eyeball to eyeball, and I found out that snakes don't blink. <laughs> he had fangs like darning needles. I had to choke him to death. It was the only way out. I was afraid that with all the blood rushing to my head, remember he's at an angle? I might just pass out. Jay went on to say later in the, in the article that, uh, uh, you know, he, he strangled a snake and, and it was dead and he knew it, but he actually had to peel his fingers off of the snake's neck. He had been hanging on so hard so long he couldn't just open his hand. When I read that story this week, I thought, I thought how closely Jay's struggle resembles life on a daily basis. At the most unsuspecting moment, we're pounced upon. Snake-like confrontations face us just about every day. Exposed and vulnerable, we, we can easily, we could easily succumb to those attacks. The strikes against us are frequent, and varied. Physical pain, emotional trauma, relational stress, spiritual doubt, marital conflicts, carnal temptations, financial reversals, demonic assault, uh, occupational disappointment, educational discomfort. Whap, 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 whap. Every time we turn around, there's another strike waiting to happen. Bam! Bam! We struggle for survival, knowing that any one of those strikes can hit the target and spread the poison that paralyzes us. And what exactly is the target? Many times it's your character. It's your character. 
You follow through on any one of those strikes, those temptations, those, those nudges from the netherworld, and your character is sacrificed. It's no wonder Proverbs warns us, be wise and direct your heart in the way. Proverbs 23, 19. Direct your heart in the way. It, it, so if you keep your heart on the right track, if you stick it out and you don't give in to the snakes, you will eventually become the kind of person God wants you to be. You'll have endurance. And you'll have character. And character is critical. You see, when, when, when we demonstrate spirit-driven, Bible-saturated endurance, then uh, that's the... That's the milieu, that's the soil in which, in which character flourishes. Character grows out of that, causing you to become the person God wants you to be. And I want to be that. I want to be the kind of man that God wants me to be. Whatever that takes, bring it on, Jesus. Bring it on. Suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character. And thirdly, character produces hope, Romans 5 says. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. Poured in. You know, sometimes when you're, when you're following a recipe and you're making whatever whatever you make at home, Titus, you're, you spend a lot of time in the kitchen, I'm sure. And sometimes a recipe will say, you know, uh, you know, like a sixteenth of a tablespoon of whatever, and, you know, sprinkle lightly, and you're just, you're, you're, you're just dabbling it in there. This is demonstrating just how much I know about this. But God says He pours His love into our hearts. You know, takes a five-gallon or 50-gallon barrel and just... None of this sixteenth of a teaspoon. It's like... He pours His love into our hearts and that fills us with hope. So Paul has really described a circle now. Suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character hope. And then the circle begins all over again. Because that's the way it works. Hope gives us all we need then to enter into the next trial, the next Suffering, the next hardship, the next season of testing, which develops even more endurance, which in turn refines our character a little more, which in turn feeds hope. And then we get to do it all over again. Because that's the way it works. One feeds the other. Does that make sense? 
Oh, I know, you wish it would be some other way. I I get that. But it, it makes sense only because it comes from God's word, right? Simple worship, passionate prayer, strong teaching. This is some of the the tough teaching that we do here at the gathering. Because there are so many other mm, voices out there that are saying, ah, nah, 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 nah. You got suffering in your life. You got trials in your life. You got got, uh, financial difficulties in your life. Just name something else. Name your future. Declare it. Declare prosperity over your family and it'll happen. I don't know what you've been smoking, buddy, but that sure doesn't happen for me. Does it happen for you? No. Many of you know that I enjoy landscaping, and just before Christmas, I read an article about, uh, about trees and um, how a tiny seed from a tree actually puts down roots. It was quite interesting. That's the most essential thing for the survival of a tree. You've got to have roots. You don't have roots, you don't have a tree. So the article says that no risk is more terrifying than that taken by the first root. A lucky root will eventually find water, but its first job is to anchor that seedling in place. And once that seedling is anchored in place, it can send the root down. The tap root will go down 5, 10, 15 meters. And if the root takes root, then the plant becomes virtually indestructible. Now, with some types of trees, and this is true, and certainly a lot of perennials, you can chop those suckers right down to the ground. You can just cut them right off, and they'll grow back. As long as the roots are intact, they will grow back. Love that. Did that with a bunch of perennials one year, didn't really know what they were. Thought they were weeds. <laughs> cut them right off. I'm a really good gardener, by the way. I cut them off the ground. They grew back in the spring. In fact, they were thicker and fuller in the spring because I cut them off at the roots. I mean, at the, at the ground. The roots were intact. If the roots are there, they'll grow back. Now, some of you, for some of you, no risk is more terrifying than putting roots down into Christ. Thank God. I don't mind going to church. You know, I'll give a loony or two in the offering. That doesn't bother me. But sinking my root, I mean, going deep, that's a little more terrifying. But when you sink your roots deep in the soil of God's love, you you have an anchor that will not fail. When you put your roots down into Christ and into the love of God and into the Word of God and draw nourishment from Him every single day, you're going to be okay. Let the winds blow. Let the fires come. Let the floods take place. You'll grow again. The Bible says nothing will be able to separate us. Nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God for that. The circumstances of life can cut you down, cut you up, take you right down to the ground, but you will grow again because the roots are intact, and they're nourishing on the right stuff. Trials and tribulation, trials and troubles and tribulations, sorrow and sadness and suffering. What does God say about that stuff? He says, 
that we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. Say it with me. And endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Lord Jesus, this portion of Romans chapter 5 comes to us today like a kiss from heaven, an ointment from the throne room of grace, a relief that no man-made medicine could ever offer us. So we thank you for your word today, Lord. To know that suffering is a, is a normal part of the Christian life actually brings a great deal of relief. Because many of us here today have, have endured the destructive power of bad theology. Teaching that makes Christians feel like spiritual pygmies just because they're ill or they have doubts or they struggle financially. But you, Father, you tell us that painful trials and suffering are not strange at all. And the gospel tells us your love for us is unwavering and steady every single day. We pray for friends and family here in our church and in our homes, people that we know who are struggling. I think of Tao's aunt this morning. I think of Chung's infection today. I think of Mark's cancer. And the list goes on and on. And Lord, we know that a day of no more suffering is coming. The day when your glory will be fully revealed. Oh, what a day of rejoicing that will be. But Father, until then, please give each and every one of us the sufficient, sustaining, serving grace that we need to rejoice in the suffering that produces endurance, the endurance that fosters character, and the character that cultivates hope. We pray this all in the wonderful and merciful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you so much for coming to the gathering today. So good to have you here. Uh, simple worship, passionate prayer, strong teaching. That's